Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. We got a great show for you today as all four of us, all four of the hosts of Astros Baseball are here. Stadium Steffi, Wally, and Ryan, we got a great show for you. We're going to talk about a lot of spring training stuff as well as other things. Guys, how's it going? It's good. It's good. It's, you know, it's a good weekend. Finally had some nice weather today so we could hang out and it was the sun was out and it wasn't cold. That's true. I'm loving the Twitter feed right now, seeing video of these guys at spring training in their uniforms, tossing the ball around, staying around already, talking strategy. Um, man, I am I'm pumped. I'm pumped, and I'm excited to see that baseball is for real, for real back. Meanwhile, I'm getting over a sinus infection, so anyone listening, apologies in advance that I sound like a gremlin that just got wet. So <laughs> we're rolling with it, though. We're making it work. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can see my fat lip here. I caught one uh, I caught one to the face Thursday night playing oh, no. softball myself. Uh, wow. What position you play, Ryan? I play shortstop typically, uh, and so it just, man, it hopped up about four feet in front of me. I had no time to react and uh, caught it right in the right in the chopper's Right in the chops. Uh, yeah, that's awful. So, yeah, it was, it was funny. So it's st- it's still a little fat, but uh, we're we're healing up well. That's I what a mustache you- and beard are for. It covers it all up. There you go. You just gotta get one of the big long cowboy ones and and hide it out. If I got a fat lip because I couldn't grow a mustache and beard, I no. don't know. Maybe if I tried enough, I don't know. You pull your hair over. Your put a hat. Put a hat on and pull it down. You can just act like you're sick now and wear a mask. <laughs> There you go. Somebody had a mask on the other day. I was like, what do you got, herpes or something? (laughs) I don't know. You know, you can hide your face now. But anyway, I don't even know if I should say what I was going to say, because something kind of crazy happened today. Um, We went to church, right? And I won't even get into it, but the message that he talked about was the exact, like, on today's page of our, like, couple's... uh, I forgot the name already. It's um, the devotions. We have like a book, like it's a daily devotional book for couples. And it was the same exact story, the same exact Bible verse and everything. And I was like, what? What are the odds of that? That was really crazy. It was really crazy that he talked about the same thing. I told my wife, maybe he's got this book and that's where he gets his sermons from. Pretty crazy. Maybe, or maybe somebody was trying to tell you something from up above. It may be. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. All right, it's Yiner time, ladies and gentlemen. I know a lot of people that are anti-Maldi. They love Yiner Diaz, and I do too. I really like the guy, even though Maldi was my favorite player. Uh, this is what I read about him. Yiner is going to call his own games. A spot of trust, his catcher. Uh, but Diaz wants to be on the same page with veterans like JV. And he wants to call the game that they want, not really the one that he wants. So 
I really, I really like a spot as trust in Yiner Diaz because that's all we heard last year. Oh, Yiner doesn't work well with the pitchers. That's why Maldi's out there. I thought it was all BS, but uh, what do y'all think? We'll start with let's start with Ryan. <laughs> oh man, well you know I was tough on Maldi last year, and rightfully so. Um, I love the guy. Uh, his performance, you know, was a struggle to 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 experience last year. Um, I'm excited to see this news come out. I'm excited to hear about it. Um, you know, I guess a couple of things really come to mind um, is that there were, like you said, kind of a lot of questions about the job that he did as a young catcher, right? Um, and and in his 38 starts or whatever it was, 38, 39 starts, most of the time he was catching the rookies or the quadruple A passerbys and his catcher ERA, which I know that there's some people out there that kind of discount catcher ERA, right? But his catcher ERA catching the rookies and the quadruple A passerbys um, was better than Maldi's, who caught the aces and the best of the rotation. So my opinion is that Yiner's ready. Um, my my flip side of that is Maldi was a master for a very long time of understanding the game. I don't think that you have to be a master anymore. You want to know why? Because we have analytics. You got game planning coaches on the team. You got pitch com. The game's not what it used to be. The game does not require cerebral catchers the way that it used to. And so I think the whole mindset or the whole narrative around Yiner's not mentally maybe there yet and ready to go. Um, I think it's a little overplayed. I think with all of the pieces that today's game has when it comes to analytics and game planning coaches and pitch com and all of those different pieces of it, I think you can plug in a young catcher and kind of let him on a, you know, let him run, put the, put the long leash on him and let him go work with his boys, the pitchers um, and watch him succeed. I think right. Yiner was actually a lot more ready last year than people give him credit for. You look at the record, uh, you look at the records that, that Yiner had behind the plate uh, and what Maldi had behind the plate. Now, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but Maldi was about a 500 catcher. All your wins above 500 were, were Yiner's. Uh, Yiner had some of the best pop time to second base. Maldi few, threw very few people out. Um, you know, one thing also kind of on your time, uh, Ryan is is that Manfred has made this into much more of a beer league softball type of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, you're going from 20 minutes to 18 minutes, you or 20 seconds to 18 seconds between pitches. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but just even going at the 20 second, even at the 20 second, uh, you don't have time to really think. It's call a pitch, give me the pitch, throw it back, see the ball, hit the ball. The game's changed. Yeah, Steffi, really I don't nice. want to have to call on you on everything because oh, no. I know your throat. Good. <laughs> no, good. I'm actually very excited to see what Yiner does this year. I think obviously we got a very small sample size of him last year. Um, and, you know, to Ryan's point, he was really great with those, you know, guys that were rookies, the guys that were maybe the quadruple A, like passer buyers. And part of that may even be because, you know, he's, 
worked with them to an extent in the minor leagues. I know he didn't start off as a catcher. I think he was what first base um, and kind of just became catcher pretty recently. But I know that speaks testaments to how good this kid is and how committed he is to being really good as a catcher. So I'm excited to see what he does. I know I read up somewhere that um, Hader was his first bullpen session in spring training, and that's no small feat for sure. So excited to see kind of how he gels in this new role of being that lead guy. Talk about good trades. We got uh, Yiner for, for Miles Straw. You know what Miles Straw's expected OPS is this year? 645. 645. Woof. It was a good deal. The Astros make good deals. Yeah. It's too bad. Click click made some good deals. It's too bad he and Crane couldn't get along. And and this that's to take nothing away from Dana. I think Dana's doing a fine gonna do a fine job. I like the way he's handled the team so far, but you know, that was a good deal that Click made. Yeah. All right, our next topic is Spencer Arigetti is ready. I read this uh, story on MLB.com or Astros.com. I don't know why I always say that. Uh, but he, he went to the locker room in spring training, searching for his locker, all excited. And guess whose locker is right next to him? Justin Verlander. Right next to him. He said, he. It, I didn't even know this. He grew up in Houston. He's an Astros fan. I didn't know that. I don't know if you guys knew that. He said, JV is the man still. He said he watched him when he was little. Uh, needs to cut down on the four. This is, I guess, a negative thing about him. 4.26 walks per nine innings. And this is his quote. That's what I'm here to do. Control walks and people out Wally, how excited are you for Spencer Arigetti? I think he's going to get a chance this year. I, I I almost guarantee you we see him. Yeah, I think we'll see him too. And the great thing about a guy like Arigetti is they're going to be able to bring him along, most likely at the pace into which he's ready. One of the I, I've not seen him pitched. I've seen the numbers. You know, play he's playing in the PCL, and that's you know that's playing a glorified beer league softball softball <laughs> field because the balls just jump out of those those parks. <laughs> But one thing that really impressed me when they did the interview with uh, with Arigetti is just his general demeanor. Very calm, very poised. You know, he understands why he's here. Um, the, the the stage doesn't get too big for him. And, and that's one thing I would always look for, for for young players when they come out. Do they, do they react to the stage? Do they embrace the stage or do they let the stage take them over? And, and Arigetti looks like he's ready to to step on the stage when the time is right. Now, I fully expect him to start at AAA. It'll probably be, hopefully, the All-Star game before we see him. And I hope we see him based on performance rather than, you know, rather than injuries. Yeah, I know in that article, too, he talked about how he's really big on the analytics. And he said, you know, maybe sometimes I'm even a little too heavy on the analytics. But for a team that has always been very analytically heavy since the beginning of that era, I think it's going to be really interesting what kind of information they can bring to him to to help him grow and learn. And from what they talk about, he's very coachable, wants to know how he can get better, where he can get better. And I think that's going to be a big key to his success is 
really going in there and again, being coachable, being open-minded. And when you get put next to a guy like Justin Verlander, that's got to feel pretty good in spring training to, you know, be sitting by, you know, the goat of Houston at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, You know, he's young, he's only 24 years old, right? So he's, um, he's got time to figure it out, right? So I don't feel like there's a really a need to rush him uh, in this last year. You know, he split time almost evenly between double A and triple A. Um, he's, he looks, he looks great. He's a high strikeout guy. Um, you know, he was like 1172 per nine uh, in double A and almost nine per nine in triple A. Um, so I think that this guy is somebody that can be groomed well when you give him the incentive by putting him next to Justin Verlander to see that big vision and open it up, really light a fire in a kid like this and give him the development that this team does so well, I think that there's some promise. I doubt we see him come into the big club out of camp, but I don't think that there's much of a chance that that we that he stays in AAA the whole season. Excuse me. <laughs> So yes, I, I, I agree, was, and I think he's going to come up. I think we'll see something him. I noticed in the article, and it is that he throws like six pitches. He th- he does walk a lot of guys. I wonder if the Astros look at him and say, "Okay, let's let's work on three or four pitches and get those three or four pitches really good, and, and that'll get you to the bigs." And if he comes up and is a reliever, he those guys typically use use two anyway, two maybe three, and so. Yeah. Get, the Astros are really good at that. Right. They're really good at that, right? They did that with Urquidy when he came up, right? He had that that five, maybe sixth pitch, um, and and he had a hard time really mixing him up well. And so they cut him back to four pitches, uh, and then they almost pretty much cut him back to three. And then they brought that cutter back, that sweeper, I guess they're now coming, they're now calling it. Um, and he's really started to pick that that back up. So it's interesting to see. It will be interesting to see how this development team and the pitching staff really. Um, picks up on what of those five or six pitches that he has that he really needs to focus on. That's a that's a really good point, Wall. The thing that I compare or the person that I compare Spencer Arigetti to is sort of what, when I say that I think we're going to see him this year with the Astros, look what they did with Hunter Brown. You know, there wasn't quite a spot for him in the rotation, but they brought him up and put him in the bullpen. And he was so good, if my memory serves me correctly, he made the playoff roster, right? And he was he just, did. you know, came in and pitched an inning yeah. here and an inning there. And with that K, a great showing against the, the nine strikeout the ratio, mm-hmm. he's perfect. Unless he goes in there and walks guys, then he's going to be in trouble. Well, and he's also, he threw 60 innings in double A, 64, 65 innings in triple A. So the, the kid can handle a workload too. So it's not like he's coming up as somebody who hasn't really. Uh, worked his way into a workload. So I, I, I like the, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah. All right, Wally, here it is, buddy. This is what you want to talk about rules changes. And I just came across this. I never really heard much about it. I came across it. Uh, the pitch clock, they're going to reduce it from 20 seconds to 18. It already feels rushed. Now, I, I mean, yeah. during the season, I got used to it. It did not bother me at all. At the beginning, it was like, this is weird. These guys are rushing, and now they want to make it go faster. The games weren't even three hours. The games averaged like 245, 
I don't know why they want to do it faster. And then mound visits. They're cutting that back from five to four. Uh, the runner's lane, that's another rule. The From the dirt foul line to the infield grass, there's been a lot of issues with that. There's been, you know, they call it one way, and then they call it another way. They need to figure out how they're going to call it. So now they're widening it, and maybe they'll get that call right. And then this one's kind of weird. I don't know if I should have went one by one, but if they, <laughs> this is how I'm reading it, and I could be wrong. But if they get a pitcher up and he starts warming up, he has to throw to one batter. Yep. And that's nuts. Unless the inning ends while he's without him being brought in. Oh, I didn't see. I didn't know that. I was like, oh, he just sometime during the game, this guy's got a pitch. That's kind of weird. So if they bring, so if he starts warming up in the sixth and the guy gets out of it, then he doesn't have to go in. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah, but if you get up to warm up, you <laughs> yeah. gotta you gotta be put in. Yep. You gotta go in. So what they're think? saying, I, I read that a different way, but they're saying if a guy gets up in the bullpen, you gotta bring him in. That's what I, I read. That's what I think that's what I read. What did you read? They, what was your that, interpretation? That, I hope that's not right because that's probably the stupidest thing I've ever it heard. It says a pitcher who warms <laughs> up must face one batter. That's what it says. I I did. I got that as saying as the pitcher comes up in end of the game, you got it. He's got to play. But it, it, maybe you're right. If they if they're saying that a, a pitcher gets up in the bullpen, and he's got to face a batter. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's these these room these these rules now. The one about the the uh, running lane makes way too much sense. You know, it you you get guys, especially from the right side, who are trying to run down to first base. If you take that rule and, uh, the way it was before and and interpret it literally, you have to make a bow outside to to get to first base. And why should you not have to run the straightest line to first base? Uh, the 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 other ones, uh, twenty to eighteen, says you know this is good. Making it shorter must be better. Without a whole lot of thought, I. I think they're they're going to get into a lot more arm troubles with pitchers, pitchers you know speeding up their motion. I to me, I would have been okay with saying twenty five seconds between between pitches. Go yeah. thirty seconds between uh, when somebody's on base or or twenty three and twenty eight. Um, again, this is just hurry up, let's get the game done. Yeah. Uh, you know, they needed to do it, something, but they just kind I'm of went gonna, to extreme gonna, with it. I so I I I I feel like maybe it's not that they're trying to rush the game. Okay, this might be my devil's advocate. This is actually them trying to extend the game because what they're doing with this shorter pitch clock with guys on base is bringing more runners to steal bases. Okay, it's going to create more runs, more offense, and as long as teams are stealing bases and scoring more runs, the game time extends, right? So I feel like maybe I'm not trying to defend Manfred, by the way, I'm glad to see that he's decided to go ahead and, and bow out after he's, his turn. He's, he's five, he's five but, years too late. He's it five is, years it is, too late. It is still, we still got to deal with this for five more years, but, um, but I see that this, you know, that that what they're trying to do is they're trying to increase the offense. They're trying to increase more stolen bases, more runs scored. And anytime you've got runs being scored and and 
guys getting on base more and turning around the bases, the games last just a little bit longer. So I, who knows what's really going to end up being the case. Stolen bases will go up for sure, right? Uh, bulks will, will go up for sure. And pitch clock violations will go up for sure. So it'll be interesting to see the extension of what this new pitch clock rule really brings. I, I, like you, Rob, I wasn't a big fan of it coming into the season. After about halfway through the season, I kind of didn't really notice it was there quite as much. Uh, mm-hmm. I will tell you when I did notice it was when I attended a game in person. Um, you can absolutely tell that the game is flying by 100%. when you're at the ballpark. Uh, big difference when you're attending in person. Pretty good so, during we'll the week, though. Yeah, I'm I'm reading something here uh, based on what you said. It says MLB is also re- implementing a new rule that says any pitcher that starts that warms up at the start of an inning must throw at least to one batter before being removed from the mound. So that's telling – it said according to the league, there are 24 instances where a pitcher warmed up between innings and was replaced before throwing a ball, which added approximately three minutes uh, of dead time per event. So what they're saying is – if somebody was up up to on the mound and they're trying to get a matchup or they're trying to get the other team to declare, then they can't do that anymore. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Taking that strategy away from them. I was going to say, so crazy. Yeah, I, I've got to say, strategy. even last year, I wasn't a huge fan of the rule changes, not all of them. I will say I do like – the runner's lane, I like that a lot because hopefully it gives a little bit more of a like by the book. Okay, this is the exact lane. Like, you know, of course, people are still going to call it and some people aren't. It's just how umpiring works. But um, but yeah, I think kind of to y'all's point, it you could definitely tell the difference in the pace of the game. And I know I've said this since a while back, like maybe like a year ago when they started trying to implement these rule changes. I feel like they're trying to do this to get to a different demographic of fan. But I feel like they're doing all the wrong things to get to new fans. I mean, you still have blackout restrictions. You still have like kids aren't as invested in the game as they are. They, you know, used to be because it used to be the thing that you pass down. And yeah, some kids are. But, you know, you look at things like NFL where they're doing the Nickelodeon broadcasts for games now, like they're finding new and innovative ways to get a new wave of fans interested in the sport that maybe they weren't interested before. And so I feel like MLB almost like changes the wrong things instead of making the game more accessible to viewers to then get those people excited about the game. They're like, let's change the game itself and then see if now more people are going to want to watch because it's a little bit shorter. It's 30 minutes shorter, 45 minutes shorter, you know? And so I feel like MLB is kind of still stuck in the past a little bit. Um, And there's just a million other things you could do to get people interested in the game. And kind of Ryan, I know you said, you know, you feel like they're maybe trying to elongate the game, like in the article that they talked about, they talk about how the pace of play modifications was aiming at getting back some of the seven minutes of average nine inning game time that were lost. So they are trying to speed it up. It's, and hopefully that does bring more offense. Hopefully that does make the game more exciting and more engaging to the people that are there. But how do you get people that aren't even coming to games in the building? And I think that's that's what MLB is losing out on. That's a great point. You're talking NFL also has the Manning cast, which 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 goes towards the non so not so core fan who wants to kind of watch the games and see guys shoot the breeze on TV too. Exactly. You know, the thing about the thing about the rules, they've had them for a year. 
for the most part, I think they've worked in the ways that they expected them to work, wanted them to work. But I wish they'd let him set for two or three years so you can get a you can get a a real baseline. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Kind of going back and forth. You really, really not sure if they really worked or not because you you're you're jerking things around too much. Yeah, I think that's you know that's a really good point, Wally. And I, I think that there's an element of this to just tinkering with it too much, you know, and let it ride for a little bit. Maybe try a different rule during the playoffs and see how that plays out, what it does to games. But just blanket statements or, or you know blanket changing the rules um, after a year of the new rules. You don't really know. Like, was last year going to be an anomaly? You know, right. Steph is that seven seconds. What's going to happen to that seven minutes for real? Like, how are we really going to know? Um, I just, I think that it's crazy that we're just kind of messing with the game instead of what you're like. What you said, Steffi, is bring people in first and then see if they like the product, and then change the product if they don't like the product. But as long as exactly. the game's not nearly as accessible to the, your potential customers, the fans, you don't know if the product that you're producing is something that they want to consume or not to consume. So I think there's a little bit of, a little bit of backwardsness to this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about bringing in kids right now, I love, I showed when we, when my, I, I had a friend come over watching the playoffs and I was telling him about the Nickelodeon games. He's like, I never heard of that. So I, sh I got him, I got it on YouTube and I showed him and I was like, look how cool this is. <laughs> and I totally think Major League Baseball should call Nickelodeon and say, we need to do some kind of Nickelodeon game. Yeah, no because doubt. It's, it's good. It's good for an adult because it's just different. It it's something cool. But one thing that uh, there was a story about this, about getting, you know, growing the game. It's not about rule changes. It's not about speeding up the game. If you want to grow the game, it's up to us, this generation, to bring our children to the game. It's up to us to get our children interested in the game. That's how the well, game and how about And how about don't overcomplicate it for a lot of people that haven't really been fans of the game? Yeah. That, I think that that's, well, you know, look at, look at the kids that play baseball growing up. What is it that they love about playing baseball that keeps them around the game? You know, mm -hmm. so I see that maybe there's a look. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A little bit of trying to increase the, you know, increase the runners on base, increase the offense. I see some of that. But when you start overcomplicating it with dumb rules like this bullpen thing that they've got going on and people are watching the game and they have no idea what just happened, who, why, what is the yeah. reason for that? Um, that you don't you want start that driving people away because you know the casual fans you you want them to stay casual and not try to overcomplicate the game and kick them out to where they're only watching the important games against the Astros and the Yankees or wait till the playoffs come around and so I think yeah. that this is really a shot in the foot for baseball the 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 especially the pitch clock got rid of you know, the real extraneous stuff, and you know, like as much as we love Altuve, every time he'd get out of the batter's box, he'd take his gloves off, he'd you know, he'd do his machinations, he'd take them off, put it on, put the thing, put the the glove back on, waste all that time. You get, you know, they've gotten rid of those those extraneous type things. Hey, yeah. Wally, I have to ask Just you a question. I have to yeah. ask you a question about that. Do you think there's ever been a twelve year old kid that mimicked that at his little league baseball game? Well, he might have tried, but what? you know what would have happened. Well, but you know, you know, what I'm you know he, they might have tried, yeah. but you know what his dad, you know what the, you know what the umpire and his dad would have said, <laughs> get in get the box, in boy. Box. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I think I so know, too. Ryan, again, you're playing, right, dude. I'm just playing devil's advocate. You, there. Yeah, I'm just so when you become Jose Altuve, you can do that too. Yeah, yeah, but if no, you're right. Not anymore because you only got 20 seconds, Wally. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, when I was a little kid, I rem- I remember trying to, you know, do like the Willie Stargell and bat like Rod Carew. Like, I remember. Well crouch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember trying to be these guys. Yeah. And that's part of them. Like Kyle yeah. Tucker getting it, it the It almost dirt, takes out a little, yeah. Takes yeah. out a little bit of the personality from the game. Yeah. yeah. But the pitchers, I think the pitchers were worse because they'd throw one pitch. They'd walk around the mound, get the get the rosin bag and do some prayers. Like, come on, dude. Like you, you need to pitch, but it, it could have been like 30 seconds, Yeah. but because they were taking a long time, it's not like we were just sitting there like, all right, come on, Kyle Tucker, like hurry up, dude. Like yeah. we never noticed that. But when the, when the pitchers throwing over to first 30 times and walking <laughs> around the mound, you know what I mean? You notice that that slows it's the game true. down. Yeah. So point, I, I point that's being my, is I they think, should have just declared victory. I they think the, just the pitch clock should just be was. it should be there, but it's too fast. I think so too. Yeah. yeah, same. All right, so some more spring training stuff, folks. Spring training records and the playoffs. Does your record in spring training matter? Does it matter at all? The answer after this. I'm just kidding. All right, so <laughs> if you have a 500 or better record in the pl- in spring training, you make the playoffs 46.8% of the time. If you have a losing record in spring training, you make the playoffs 28.5%. And this is since 2015. So if you have a winning record, you have a 18.3% chance better 
of making the playoffs. If you look back last year, the Rangers are an exception to this. They went 13 and 15. They won the World Series. Houston went eight and five. Atlanta 15 and 13. The Dodgers 13 and seven. Uh, who had a losing record? The Astros were 15 and 15 when they won. I think there's got to be another losing one in here. I don't have my glasses on. So anyway, <laughs> I, 11 and 19. The Cubs went 11 and 19 and 16. So, so what is y'all thoughts about this? Does does spring training record matter? It always feels like it doesn't, but maybe it does. Your your percentage chance of making the playoffs goes up 18. I think that if spring training is done for the purpose of getting prepared for the season, I I guess you can say that it makes sense, right? The teams that finish spring training with a lower than 500 record are probably the teams that are feeling out their farm system for the next guys that are willing to come up, that are ready to come up. Um, The teams that don't have to feel out seven positions (laughs) or seven, 10 guys that they have to evaluate are the teams who already have established players in place and are going to, you know, get their reps in spring training to get prepared for the season and are probably going to win some spring training games. So I'm not surprised. I think it makes sense. And when you break it down from the standpoint of who's on the field during those spring training games and why it, you know, it kind of tells your story for you. And I think to Ryan's point too, part of spring training on top of just like, you know, feeling out your players, things like that, it's establishing your team chemistry. And when you have already a really good core group of players and you don't have a ton of open positions, it makes it easier to kind of get off and running to the races compared to, like Ryan said, those teams that have seven, eight positions open and you're trying to figure out, all right, who's the next guy up? So, you know, in spring training, that team chemistry is kind of where it all starts. It's where yeah. you're establishing what your vibe is for the season almost, for lack of better words. Um, so I think that that could even have something to do with it too. Yeah, we go into spring you know, training. We know who the starters are. There's nobody fighting for a starting position on our exactly. team. There's uh, two guys fighting for a bullpen and two guys fighting to sit on the bench. That's about it. When when I'm looking at at spring training, you know, let's say the games start, what, next weekend? So this is the 22nd. So you've got about 30 games. The first 15 games truly don't matter because, you know, who cares how Kennedy Corona did? I mean, except for Mr. and Ms. Corona and his friends. You know, you want want him to get established, you know, these young guys – uh, you, you want to get established, know what it's like to be in a big league park, see a few major league pitchers. But for the most part, you know, they're they're just kind of can, cannon fodder while the guys are getting you – know, the major league guys are getting their work. When you get closer to the season, you get those last, oh, call them 10 games. You know, tell me who wins those – what their record is in those last 10 games, and I can give you a pretty good feel on on how the team was. Steph, from, you know, when you were with the Astros and – in 13 and 14 or so. I mean, you went to those last 10 games of the season when they might have started off okay, and they were getting their brains beat out in spring training, and you knew it was going to be ugly, didn't you? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But I – so – and also also the teams that are are trying to build young players, I think spring training records means a lot more to call it, say, the Kansas City Royals or – some young team that's trying to to build a winning attitude. 
Yeah, I think, you know, that's a really good point. And I was going to bring up, you know, the the manager, um, you know, and his ability to really kind of feel out the players. And like Steffi said, the culture and build that winning attitude and kind of roll that feeling of, of winning or losing into the season. I think it really lays the foundation for where you're going and kind of, again, just really makes sense when you look at those records and you think about the chemistry, the composition and the culture of a team going through spring training into the regular season. I, I can see why the numbers are the way they are. All right, here's a little story I saw. It was called uh, the 2024 lineup tier. We kind of already talked about we know who the good teams are, but I think it's kind of funny how they name these tiers. And I can't read it all because I'm not going to say 30 teams. But the elite tier lineup, the Dodgers, the Astros, and Atlanta. And then high potential is a ton of teams from Texas to San Diego to the Yankees. Then you have solid to mid. It's like Arizona, the Cubs, the Guardians. And then the fourth tier, Swiss cheese. San Francisco, <laughs> Kansas City, Detroit, Pittsburgh, the White Sox. And then the final tier, the minor leagues. That is the Rockies and the Oakland A's. Oh. Just going for the jugular on that one. <laughs> it's pretty, there's there are there are some brutal teams when you get to the bottom of that. I was looking, I was doing some work on some numbers and some some expected stats through uh, Fangraphs today, and boy, you know Detroit, Chicago, man, those are two bad baseball. Yeah, that's one of the things that's going to be interesting to see is the the, the Tigers AJ ended Hint. with a rush last year. They ended with a rush last year, but man. And that that team could go south really fast. Let me just say right. one thing. Wally working on numbers, color me shocked. <laughs> shocked Wally right. doing stat <laughs> and you're shocked. Out numbers? Shocked. No way. <laughs> he's he's gonna be my <laughs> stat guy all year. I can't wait yeah. to ask Wally like all the questions about everything. <laughs> you know, it's funny, funny. Mary and I were talking about this. My son, my son would ask me, he said, he'd say, you know, the same stories we asked, did you know this guy's number? It's some arcane number. And I'd say, you know, son, I, you know, I used to know when you're, when I was your age, but I just got too much going on. Now I'm retired and doing this and, and I got time to get back to my youth again and look back into the numbers and see what they really mean. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but it, if, if you go to, if you go into fan graphs and I'll share some of the, some of them with y'all at, at a point, it, it, it is, if you line them up and then take a look at who, who has the best players and line them up within their division. These, these lineup tiers match up pretty close. I, 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 I there may be a, a couple of you, 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 you may want to guess at a little bit. Uh, I've only done the American league so far. I haven't gotten into the national league, but you know, the, what this tells me here from a, from an American league standpoint is yeah, especially the central division. That central division has some bad baseball teams. Yeah, you know there were there were two, maybe I guess you could say three shockers for me uh, on this list. And you know, one is seeing the Washington Nationals where they are after having just won the World Series in nineteen against the Astros. And if that's not a tale of two teams 
<laughs> that completely had it just <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum and knowing what they were going to be doing uh, and what to do and what not to do is to take a look at the Washington Nationals over the last four years. Um, my other surprise was to see the Diamondbacks kind of in there as a mid-team after having just uh, – made their way to the world series yeah. you know they uh they kind of increased their offensive capability i'm not going to say Eugenio suarez is a, a he moves the needle for the for the diamondbacks mm -hmm. but um you know seeing a few of the changes that they made and and signing guriel and bringing him back and shoring up some of those positions seeing uh seeing the diamondbacks there kind of rated mid was a little bit of a shocker to me uh and then of course Everybody talks about the Texas Rangers juggernaut, but them not being up there in that elite category with the Astros, the Dodgers, and the Braves was a little bit of a surprise to me, especially having, you know, having just come off of a World Series championship and their lineup not really changing that much. It was a surprise to me to see whoever put this list together not at least give them the nod for prosperity stake, you know? I kind of felt the same way about the Rangers in particular of them not being on that elite status as well. But I wonder if they almost factor in like almost like a regression on some of those players of like guys that just played out of their mind this year and who, you know, maybe played above what they normally would and maybe took that into account. But again, they were a really impressive team this year. I mean, you have to be to win the World Series. So I was also pretty shocked to see them not on that top tier as well. Josh Young had a, hurt his cap, and they say he's out for a couple of weeks. Um, what I'd like to see on this, if we could find it, is do the pitching staff tiers. Because in some of these teams, when you look at their lineup tiers, yeah. you know their lineups are not as great like Seattle. Where do I see Seattle here? Uh, but their pitching staff is really good. Seattle high. And, and that's, you know, the, they they – you know they're going to be they're going to give the Astros that they and the Rangers are going to give everything the Astros can handle. Yeah. All right. So this is my next topic. Did y'all see this? <laughs> I saw a story. It said Oakland expansion. Well, that's not what it said. But what it, what here's is what I'm taking, and I I've read it like three times, and I'm not totally understanding the entire story. Did Manfred say it? But it sounds no. But it sounds if like Manfred said it. I would. I would say. I would. That's why I wouldn't understand it. <laughs> so what it sounds like is so. This is Oakland's last year. The A's last year to play in the Coliseum, and then what I had read earlier that they were going to go play in Reno, or they're going to play in a minor league state. That's what I heard. They're going to play in Reno, and or Salt Lake. Or Salt Lake. I'd also heard San Sacramento. Well, and they also had a meeting last week to extend, potentially extend the lease at the Coliseum through 25. Right. That's what I I'm getting. Is that, is that whole situation back. the biggest clown show you've seen in a long time? <laughs> yeah. What so, a mess. So now, mess. so now, folks, now they're saying, I, I, I think it's Oakland, the city of Oakland saying, if we extend the the uh, the lease or whatever the contract for the A's to play in that stadium for three more seasons, yep. You I, see, I think this is just their proposal, right? We will we'll extend them if you promise to give us 
an expansion team. Yep. Why would anybody want to own a team and go there? <laughs> like the East. Why? Why and would have y'all have y'all spent any think about a have green y'all spent any time in the East Bay? There? Have y'all ever spent? Have you spent much time in the East Bay? Not recently. Talking about Oakland, it's pretty cool. I, I, I was uh, when I was working at a uh, a vendor that was over in San Ramon, um, and when you get over that East Bay area, not so much not so much Oakland and up in that area, but in that whole East Bay, it's pretty neat. Um, one thing Manfred said was, uh, well, with Oakland leaving, so well they at least have a have a uh, team in in the Bay Area. Well, I don't know if you've ever tried to go from the East Bay to, to San Francisco during during rush hour. Good luck. That's um, like getting from Clear Lake to the Woodlands. You got to take the bar. Yeah, Come that's on. right. That's right. That's right. See, I live in Sealy, which is close to Houston. So why don't you come into a game? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but as far as that whole thing goes, you know, Oakland, Oakland has had so much trouble getting any sort of modicum of the station the stadium in place. I mean, Ryan Steph, I mean, you've seen it. What would y'all do? Man, you know, I think the interesting thing about all of this is, man, you know, Oakland has had some just iconic baseball in, in history. And that city embraced a team as long as the team was doing its part in providing you know, a decent product for the city, right? No. Yep. I think Fisher just ruined the whole thing for Oakland. I think that Oakland can probably still support a major league baseball team. The proposal that I've some of the proposals and stuff that I've seen from the city for the team and for the new major league ballpark potentially over in the harbor look freaking ridiculous. Like it looks amazing. Um, yeah, and I can't understand. I, I mean, I, I can. Fisher's obviously made up his mind, and and he doesn't want to be in Oakland for whatever reason. But I think Oakland can support a team. Do I think they deserve a team? I, I think they'd have to prove it. And a big part of that's going to have to be the city coming up with whatever they need to do to make sure a stadium deal happens, and then the fans coming back out to support you know, to support the team that they've always loved and that has been iconic for Oakland since, you know, the mid seventies, really. Um, it's a sad, sad state of affairs. I was obviously a big bash brothers fan growing up and watching Canseco and um, Mark McGuire do his thing. And Ricky Henderson. I mean, we could just, we could probably sit here for 15, 20 minutes talking about Oakland A's moments over the course of, of baseball history and to see this going down the way that it's going only points to one person, and that's you know that's Fisher, the owner. It's just it sucks. You know what? What couple things? I I'll, I'll even go back with Oakland in the seventy two in the early 70s, 72, 73, 74, when you had Reggie Jackson and Joe Rudy, and you had Bert Campaneras, Dick Green at the staff of, of Gosh, Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, they won like four, was before, they won like was four before, World that Series before back. That was before Act Gene Tennis. Oh, I mean, before. they were, you know, they were the kind of teams that would fight in the dugout and, you know, they'd beat each other up in the dugout and beat you up when they got on the field. <laughs> uh, back, one of the stories that they had the owner, Charles Finley, they all hated. I mean, he was just a cheap old old dude. 
And, and uh, he was so cheap, but he said that, you know, they'd give them like $500 if they grow mustaches. Well, guess what? They all grew mustaches. And um, those teams, but those teams, you talk about good. Man, they were really, really good. Yeah. Um, Did you see the, the they, Reggie Jackson documentary? No, I didn't and, see and it. They, they, like, there was a time where, like, MLB players weren't allowed to have facial hair or they weren't allowed to have beards. I know the Yankees still don't have it, but don't quote me on that. Never I didn't mind. know it was an actual <laughs> rule. Interesting. Rob is yeah, just making up MLB history right now. It reminded me of that when he said they were telling them to grow mustaches or something, but there was some kind of rule about facial hair, but hmm. here we go. I always yeah. open my mouth about things I don't know the the answer to. I'm I'm sorry, Wally. Go ahead, buddy. No, I don't have anything to say. I'm All right. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done for this one. Well, we're done too, but we still have some final thoughts to go to. We're 46 minutes into it. I think we're going to get past it. All right, here we go. Steffi, you have anything with your poor, your poor voice? <laughs> you sound good. We're through it, okay. <laughs> It's just a little nasally. It's fine. But no, super excited about spring training. I head out there in two weeks. So excited to see mm. the team, see some of the new guys who could be part of the Astros future here soon. Some guys were probably going to be some trade pieces. Um, but yeah, just kind of excited to get back out to the ballpark and watch some Astros baseball. So I can't wait. Ryan. I do have some final thoughts um, on July. I don't know the actual date. I think it was July 26th of 2022. A young man named Parker Bird was involved in a boating accident in which the, the tow rope for the tube that he was in wrapped around the propeller of the boat. And subsequently in August, Parker Bird um, had his right leg amputated um, from, the, from the knee down. Um, on February 16th, some of you guys have probably seen the viral uh, video clip go around Twitter and Instagram. Um, Parker Bird uh, has overcome being an amputee and was the first NCAA Division One baseball player to get an at-bat uh, with a prosthetic on. So my final thoughts is bravo, Parker Bird, and um, bravo to all of those people that just uh, make the choice to overcome and make the choice to continue to fight hard for what it is that they see their dreams being. And um, bravo to Eastern Carolina University for giving a kid a shot and not uh, stigmatizing um, somebody with a special need or, you know, or a uh, disability. And so um, February 16th was a big day for baseball, I think. And that was really awesome to see. So that's my final thoughts. I can't top that. <laughs> yeah hard to top it's hard I'm changing to top my that. final thought in fact in fact you probably should have put him last but probably. one thing i'm going to be looking at what i'm going to be looking at this week is seeing where these these uh free agent dominoes fall baltimore's got some holes in their in their lineup and their pitching staff uh you've got a couple of pitchers that are out there and as we get closer to spring training and as pitchers don't do well in seasons when they come in late to spring training, uh, 
I don't know if guys like Montgomery or Snell will take a uh, take a one year deal, but they might take a three year deal, two to three year deal. Uh, you know, Chapman's still out there, but uh, there's there's going to be a lot of things as far as team team roster construction is going to come into place in the next uh, in the next uh, five days. Well, my final thoughts had nothing to do with baseball, but after Ryan's heartfelt, touching story, I'm not even going to bring it up. <laughs> but uh, as you all know, I live in San Antonio. Yesterday was my birthday. I'm now 53 years old. I'm an old man. I've been old for a while. Uh, but uh, here in San Antonio, we have the Tower of Americas, and there's a restaurant up there. And I, I, I've lived in San Antonio 32 years, first time I've ever been up there. Well, I went really? up there. Oh. I went up there with my daughter. Well but I, I've never eaten in the restaurant, Love it. and and the food was maybe like a six and a half or something. But the experience, we got there at four forty-five. It was sunny. We got to see the sun go down, and then oh, we got cool. to see the whole city with the, with all the lights up. It was amazing. That's that awesome. awesome! Happy birthday, Rob! Happy, Happy birthday, birthday Rob. my friend! <laughs> Oh, oh, whoa, 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 I did it again. All right, so <laughs> I did this right here, folks, from our Twitter page, which is X, but I'm just going to call it Twitter forever. Follow us. If you're still with us 51 minutes into the podcast, follow us. And you actually have to click on the video, and it kind of turns orange or something under the bottom, and you have to type there. Not You, don't, you can't just comment. Like on the Twitter post, I, I tried to figure out like how to get people to comment, but you actually have to like click on the video and open it up to comment. So if you've been commenting, like my friend from Toronto uh, that I grew up with, went to high school with, she commented on it and it didn't come through. So I have to figure out how to help you guys. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's all I have. Appreciate everybody out there tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball for Stadium Steffi, Wally, the numbers man, and Ryan. We will see you <laughs> next time on Astros Baseball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.